So once again, hello, and welcome to episode five of the ever popular. <laughs> that's that's a shame. I that's am a shame. I am Declan, and I am Isaac. Lovely to be back, Declan. Thanks for thanks for having me. That's all right. Well, you are the co-host, co-creator, oh, co. Wow, that's very kind. Co, as in conspirator. Uh, I was going to say equal, but yes, <laughs> that that <laughs> too. And what an episode we've got for everyone this week. Yes, Am I right? a bit different than than usual. No heavy on admin. No overarching theme. Not that I've found, but it could be like one of those stand-up shows we talked about last week. That's a plug. Uh, that you only find the theme in hindsight, and when we listen back, maybe tomorrow, maybe next year, we'll be like, "God, it was all about loneliness," <laughs> or something even more upbeat than that. We've yeah, got lots of sort excited. of quick-fire shame, haven't we? Oh, lots that's of, a nice way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. lots of short, snappy short instances of mm. really tragic stuff that's happened yeah, in the and last week. a great week. deal of housekeeping. Yeah, well, updates. because behind the scenes, as it were, it's been the longest interval between recordings that we've had since we started the show four yeah, long episodes ago. Mm-hmm. And the closest, other than 3.5, which was released like out of order with when it was recorded, the closest from us recording it to it being released. Yes. Because this is going up tomorrow. Yes. I've given um, we- away the day. Oh my god! <laughs> Just like every week. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. Um, yeah. Well, we we figured that now that we've started actually mm-hmm. promoting it, now that we've got at least some people on board, uh, it would be best to be at least close to the release date so that we can yeah keep up to date with to you. React. We're agile. Interact. Oh, that is nice. We should use that. I thought you might like that. I thought you might. So like yeah, that. no. Uh, one topic of the show. I think we should get in at the, the start with some of the more boring housekeeping. Yes, scheduling. let's get those things out of the way. So we're so, um, introducing the big news mm-hmm. that at least for a month or so, we're yeah. going to trial. <laughs> the news is already <laughs> quite vague. Good. We're, good. we're going to trial uh, releasing two episodes each week. Yeah. Um, partly to help boost our uh, our back catalogue uh-huh. make sure that there's a lot of content there for you guys and anyone Pumping new to the shows to enjoy like uh, hot soap partly that's horrid <laughs> <laughs> partly because it. the moratorium on fun and interesting <laughs> things between isaac and i is taking a real toll on our friendship yeah, once more i've started just confiding in inanimate objects <laughs> whispering stuff into the into the bark of trees <laughs> <laughs> and they just don't want to hear it is what i'm getting back no. from their stony barky silence but yeah this we thought we'd give it a with... go there could be um an element of diminishing returns on this that we've considered and it could be that we find out that rather than boosting any form of minor popularity that we have at the moment with our 200 and something twitter followers which is not to be sniffed at that's definitely not um but people could become quite quickly sick of our (laughs) shit we indeed become very quickly sick of other people's shit when they when they try and found that (laughs) when they try and pull a stunt like this yeah, um, but as with everything, 
we uh, we feel like personally we're above it all. <laughs> yeah, and we're you could say giving it a taste. Oh, callback! Call Callback call to episode one. If you haven't heard episode one, it's now been renamed Pilot to lower your expectations of both <laughs> audio and content quality. <laughs> so now's the time to tune in. Yeah, well, we, we've joined. We've joined a few forums um, uh, that shame. are podcast related, and I think we're going to hear more about those from Isaac later. Yeah, just so but, let's just close this bit off though with our schedule because we didn't actually say what it is. Wednesday and oh, yeah. Sunday. Yeah, Wednesday and at, Sunday. At, um, made up time, but sorry, carry on. Yeah. Interrupted. Probably, probably three p.m. as we've been yeah. as we've been doing of late. But if you yes, have any suggestions as to how we could change or improve that, do let us know via mm-hmm. the Twitter, Ooh. which is at, at that's a shame cast, or indeed at that's a, uh, our Gmail. Oh, mate, as well, don't we? Up. I know. Which that's is that's a shame, a, cast, a shame cast at Gmail. Dot com. Indeed. What an address. Interestingly and importantly, mm-hmm. it is not that's a shame at gmail.com. No. Because who that would be too. Uh, well, I can tell you. <laughs> oh, really? Because one of our only emails that we've received thus far uh, mm-hmm. was from my father, who decided to John. Decided to get in touch with us. As often he did during our tenure as radio hosts at URY. Oh, well. award-winning radio hosts. That's the one. Bronze award-winning yeah. shambles. Oh, don't say bronze. Just say award. <laughs> <laughs> There's a tip. Um, and his his joke was more of a sham than a shame. Good joke. Uh, but initially, he has revealed, he <laughs> sent this email to that's a shame oh, at gmail.com, who... <laughs> You know, given the circumstances, quite politely replied, maybe a bit of both. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> At which point Dad realised it was not coming from us. <laughs> oh, no. And quickly apologised to this poor stranger. So so please... <laughs> That's great. Please don't Inundate go sending... them with emails. <laughs> Anything you send us, just CC it to them, because I hear that they, they love the attention. They're crying out for it. Why else would they hog... Such a great Gmail. We'll buy off them though for what fiver, ten yeah. at most. Well, I, I think that like maybe the more the more we start spamming them, it drives the price down because they just oh, don't that's want true, it. True, actually, clever. So I'll sign them up for the old Bible spam. Yep, that's definitely. And <laughs> go from get, there. Get them a bit of sort of sexual health advice from oh, the I'm NHS sure be or something. A lot of unsolicited sexual definitely. health advice, anyway. Yeah, so why not just add to it? But yeah, um, do try and get in touch. We will respond. We've had another email, haven't we? Yeah, I'll find that. I actually have it up in a in a sense. Um, Oh yeah. Just that that sense is quite loose because oh no, here it is. It's from I won't read the email address. It says simply, "What is your end game here? What's the big picture goal?" And it's signed listener X. Enigmatic, I thought. And when that popped up as a notification, and I didn't intuit who it was at the time. I thought, wow, not only are our listeners contacting us, but they're posing like philosophical puzzles in our direction <laughs> about like the state of our own existence. Disguising their identities like Cold War spies. Yeah. Or like that game. Did you ever play um, the board game where you travel around London on the tube and you have to wear a visor 
and I can't really remember much more because I realise it doesn't sound fun yet. But <laughs> there was a character called Mr. X who was the visor wearer and he just sort of um, flits around invisibly and you just have to catch him. I think there was a lot of backstory that we didn't bother with where he'd probably done a string of awful crimes. But it's good fun. And if uh, Hasbro are listening, we are willing <laughs> to take sponsorships in the form of board game that's a shame. That, I have still have cheap. no idea what the aim of this game is, <laughs> how well, it's played, what you do. You got a lot of tokens, right? And it, it was quite clever because um, I don't know if it was intentional, but it taught me a lot about traveling in London at an age <laughs> when I really needed it as well. I was getting lost left, right and center. Teaches but you, you get all tokens. about sweaty afternoons on the central line trying to get yeah. home. It captures that mood precisely but it's not just the tube it also has bus oh. tokens oh wow cab tokens now these were all rare because so, so it truly is boring well it was pre-uber let's put it that way the world was a very different place <laughs> it was before 9-11 i was playing this game so no one was afraid to be on any of these transports and you'd flit around the map going to say old street actually no i don't think it named places because monopoly probably stole all that oh, yeah. but you just go vaguely around london and every like 10 turns or something, Mr. X or Miss X would have to reveal themselves and you'd, they'd invariably be like the exact opposite side of the map from you. Of course. And then based on like where they could feasibly go, like the train will take you six stops or something and they have to give in their token for the train. You can kind of work out where they could be. And yet the cheating bastard always appears so far away and then I think you just give up after a while is how I usually played you give I like, up because your mum's cheating I like the idea uh, that because they haven't got place names that they just had uh, fake knockoff ones no, <laughs> Mal no, pal <laughs> Lord Lord Paul's big church <laughs> Layfair <laughs> Westminster Songhouse <laughs> The London Circle. <laughs> the London Zodiac. <laughs> I like it. But yeah, I um, can't remember why I brought that up, but it's a good game. If anyone wants to have a go at That's a Shame cast, well, you invite brought it yourself over. You brought it up because we were talking about Listener X and uh, we haven't yet answered their question. What is the end game? Oh here? yeah, so what is the end game? Well, for me, it's um, summed up in the simple word glory. <laughs> and I imagine yours follows a similar theme. Isaac came up with the idea of this podcast after reading Dolce at Decorum Est. <laughs> <laughs> it was an amazing moment, actually. I was sitting there on a throne of my own devising, <laughs> covered in just the golden light of dawn, and the podcast just appeared on the horizon. Um, I mean, we, we touched briefly on the aim of it, or not really the aim, to say it yeah, as I an aim, I'd say aim be, is quite uh, strong. Yeah. Would be bold, but really, it's just to enjoy ourselves, to yeah. hopefully Im- involve others in our enjoyment, um, and also to be a dissenting voice mm-hmm. <laughs> among the absolute tsunami of bullshit <laughs> praise that absolutely anything and everything gets simply for existing. Yeah, it is a shame. I went to see Stuart Lee how many days ago? Two. Yeah, I would say it's two because that's about how long I've been feeling intensely depressed for. Um, and Stuart has that kind of beautiful depressing effect on one's soul. But uh, 
one of his routines, like obviously it was brilliant and he's a genius and like it was exceptional. And you should go and see it in Edinburgh because I'm going to go again, I think. Yeah, I'll come But on. one of his routines in particular was about Game of Thrones and about how he refuses to engage with such a banal concept. And <laughs> the seminal line for me was just after having described it in such conceptually vague and yet so precisely wrong terms about like a a midget who's trying to fuck the king and stuff like that. He described Game of Thrones as Peter Stringfellow's Lord of the Rings, which is such a brilliant line. I was just sat, I couldn't even, I didn't even laugh. I was just like, that is so perfect. Because it was beyond, it was beyond comedic. It was just perfectly accurate. <laughs> That's And it was incredible. pleasing to, it's what I always like about his stuff is that he, as we aspire to do ourselves, yeah. never fails to complain vociferously about absolutely anything that he has even the mildest distaste for. <laughs> well, I was reminded um, of a, a similar thing the other day when watching the BAFTAs, where mm. uh, the sad state of affairs that Michael McIntyre won an award for entertainment. What's he even on at the moment, Michael McIntyre? Well, it was for Michael McIntyre's big show, which congr congratulations. Yeah, <laughs> congratulations if you managed to see it, because <laughs> I don't remember it as an event. Yeah, I've never heard of it. I'm going to Google it. Um, but then again, I do actively try to avoid him. Mm. But I went to see Frankie Boyle, not last year, the year before, and there was a, a bit of his routine where he talked about going to watch a Michael McIntyre show. And mm. described Michael as ha doing this routine about uh, poolside parasols and how okay. they're so incredibly heavy. Wow! And he He's was doing hitting a, hitting yeah, hurts. <laughs> so he was he was doing a bit where he was pretending that the microphone stand was one of these parasols and wow. was pretending to struggle to drag it across the stage, and everyone was howling with laughter. And Frankie Boyle said that he was sat there thinking, well, they're so heavy because you're supposed to move your chair under the parasol, <laughs> not the other way around. He goes, and he goes, and then I thought, what else don't these people know? <laughs> <laughs> That's so lovely. So cutting. Such a great way to completely destroy someone and their audience. <laughs> I also like about Stuart Lee that his, uh, like, characteristically, and it's part of his, like, central to his performance, his disdain extends, perhaps even peaks with his hatred of his own audience, which is just such oh, a lovely... Yeah. Imagine having engineered yourself a position where you're popular amongst people that you actively <laughs> tell you hate at every yeah. opportunity. Yeah, oh, it's, it's absolute genius. And it's something that we're hoping to capture ourselves mm -hmm. in this show. Oh, yeah. Although we do love you, listeners. But, but we love until you, you as well. The, the, the fact is, until you are a listener, you're part of everyone else. And everyone else mm -hmm. is a fucking idiot. I hate those guys. <laughs> if I see them on the street, I just, I look up once and then just tut and sigh <laughs> and walk on whistling like, don't cry for me, Argentina. <laughs> very upsetting you'll be pleased to know michael mcintyre's big show has been recommissioned for a third series to air this year 
Wow, fantastic. Good. More award-winning and poolside comedy. Yeah, I can't wait. And there was a Christmas special in the offing as well. Jack Whitehall was on an episode, another... Oh, well, and doesn't that just favorite. say it all? <laughs> I really strongly dislike Jack Whitehall. I mean, well, he might be a lovely person, but I just hate everything he represents. Yeah, everything he stands for, everything he puts out. Every joke that I've seen him steal from other people. Yeah. Or indeed... That one about his granddad. Where he's like, I know, like, I haven't, I think he's at the O2 Arena or something that makes me sick to think of Isn't him. Isn't it disgusting to, to think that he can Very upsetting. That. And he's like, I know that if, I, he's more like, I know that if my grandfather were out there, he'd be looking down at me very proudly. No, he'd be, he'd just be looking down at me, I think is where the joke goes. And then he's like, pause for too long, wait for the 40,000 members of the audience to kind of, understand that this Catch is the up. up to a joke rather than just him offering a bit of trivia <laughs> about what he happened to be thinking of in that moment and then with a an almost wink he's like he's not dead he's just very condescending <laughs> and then he laughs at his own joke in the recording i've seen and it made me physically sick and i couldn't go to school the next day because i was totally just <laughs> Smashing my own head into a wall. I can imagine that being something that your mum would actually write you a note for. <laughs> Isaac can't come in today. He watched He's the most disgusted by art. poor <laughs> attempt the at poor humour. His constitution won't stand for it. He's a delicate flower. <laughs> I've made my mum sound like some sort of 1940s. Mrs. Havisham. <laughs> Dreadful news. Um, but yeah, he's a shame. <clears throat> the last piece of housekeeping, though, that we had... Um, mm-hmm. is that we're we're taking part, aren't we, in an initiative? Yeah, the word initiative always brings to my mind kind of a scientific, maybe a noble pursuit, which I'm not saying this isn't. I was, I was thinking, actually, it sounds more cultish. <laughs> We've joined or, the initiative. Yeah, or it could be like uh, probationary, like rehabilitation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does sound a bit like that, doesn't it? Mm. It's none of those, just in case you also <laughs> have yeah, those connotations spring to all mind. All of them. No, it's called Two Pods a Day, and uh, it's set up by one person. <laughs> one um, what was his name? Josh, Josh Hallmark. Hallmark. Yes. What a name, though. Incredible. Do you think he's of the Hallmark Cards fortune? Imagine. That's how he got into podcasting. Josh Hallmark of the Kensington Hallmarks. <laughs> wow. um, essentially, as the name quite plainly suggests, uh, <laughs> it's attempting to promote... Uh, independent podcasting by uh, suggesting, promoting, disseminating mm-hmm. two different podcasts each day. Um, and they're all of different themes uh, from yeah. all over the world. Quality. Uh, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and we're going to be featured at some point yeah. uh, on this. But essentially, we're letting you know about it because it is it is a good scheme. Um, yeah, it's a nice and idea. It, and it is something that hopefully may benefit us and others like us. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you uh, if you do see us spamming it through the through the Twitter feed. At uh, That's a Shame cast. Well done. Thank you. Um, try not to hate us too much. Uh-huh. Uh, and if you can bring yourself. Just maybe, give it a taste. Uh, yeah, give it a taste. Maybe so discover think. a new pod for yourself. Obviously, or don't maybe. Them, don't let them replace us. No, what I was going to say, yeah, like... Just pick one and then it might, if you really hate it, it might be like, oh, come back to the sweet, comfortable embrace <laughs> of good old faithful Declan and Isaac with their weekly natterings. Ooh, what I am looking, 
what I am uh, looking forward to is like we've just had to review <coughs> three of the podcasts for yeah, this as initiative. part of the initiative. And so I'm assuming that perhaps three people have been given our podcast to review. God bless them. So I think actually only two people review each. Oh, really? Yeah. Something like that. Oh, right. There's a lot of uh, complications. But yeah, yeah, so... I question their response. Yeah, we should have some some interesting reviews to read out to you. On Mm -hmm. which note, if uh, if you fancy giving us a review... People who do know us, at least in yeah. part, then please do uh, go on to yeah, it really helps. It, it apparently helps more than we ever could have thought. Um, uh-huh. That was actually quite... me being really sincere when I said it really helps. <laughs> uh, it it's just your voice like that. that sounds sneering and condescending. It really helps. Thanks, guys. No, it does, though. It's, um, it's good for us. And also, it's just, you know, it's a, it doesn't take long and we'd appreciate it. We'll, we'll probably message you with all kinds of, like praise gifts that facebook sticker that says goal oh yeah that's fantastic that's a favorite exactly thanks very much of course only if you were planning on giving a i'm saying four and above stars anything less than that and you can write your review on a (laughs) post-it note and then just scrunch it up really tight and shove it into your own eye (laughs) (laughs) throw it into the sun and make sure that no one but you ever knows it occurred yeah. So thanks for listening. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers, guys. I feel like we've led quite nicely into one of the topics that I know we both have something to say about this week, which is the, you know, the podcast scene as we've come to understand it since we last recorded. Yes. Because it's fair to say that we were outsiders. Definitely. Form. Rogue podcasters. I like to think we still are. We're a kind of maverick presence. The alternative yeah. podcast scene. And what we've been thrust into in no uncertain terms in there's this Facebook group that we joined just because the internet told us to. It was like, you want to go here (laughs) and kind of get tips and be part of the podcast community. I think what I've taken from that, though, is that whenever someone says you want to join in with the X community, I just don't. I just want to be quite far away from it. It's not that they're bad people. It's just that every one of them is producing a true crime podcast podcast. (laughs) (laughs) there's only simply too much there's only so many interesting crimes that happen like i'm not i'm not against true crime podcasting in principle Mm -hmm. serial was entertaining the first series second series was boring the the fact is there's only so much that you can bring to it yeah because it and it it necessitates being fact-based and also Often considered the opposite of fun. Yeah, and also as as I mentioned, there there are only so many interesting crimes. Like uh-huh. at this rate, there's no chance that these podcasts aren't going over the exact same piece of ground <laughs> as each oh, other. Yeah, they're all but just all, the same, like twenty kidnappings. Because every if episode. if not, you'd just be on like who nicked a packet of. Freddo's from the local shop <laughs> who like, stole the uh, the charity box from the McDonald's counter yeah, in Canterbury. Just, just pop a little unnerving musical theme underneath and yeah. deliver the lines like you're a robot reading off of Wikipedia. That's them. I find it also interesting that if you were to draw a graph of the proliferation of true crime podcasts against the actual 
amount of crime taking place in the West. <laughs> you notice that as one fell, the other <laughs> steeply shot into orbit. And so there's just like, it is just the same few crimes that people, well, it's either that, right? It's either they're just all talking about like Madeleine McCann and John Wayne Gacy and like Ted Bundy week yeah. after week in about a thousand different podcasts around the world. <laughs> or like you say, like they're just scraping the bottom of the barrel and being <laughs> like, oh, we heard uh, down the street actually Fred, but then they would cut. They do that annoying thing that NPR taught everyone to do where it's like starts with someone talking like, Oh, I saw her last week, actually, Marge. And then it cuts back to the interview. This is Fred. He's a disheveled presence in an otherwise <laughs> sightly pub. And it's just this wanky, like, vocabulary of what everyone thinks that it has to sound like now just because of cereal doing well. And this new S-Town thing, which I hear is the bomb. It's just, but, oh, it's such a shame that something that is, in all but a few examples artistically bankrupt yeah can be so obscenely popular and i think also perhaps more than just bereft of any like artistic value and I, again like i always put this disclaimer out and i only half-heartedly believe it but half-heartedly <laughs> i do believe it i'm not saying this show's art no. by any means no i oh mean God, no. critics have have liked it but that's what do they know they're experts <laughs> and um the problem with true crime podcasts is that when they're not carefully produced by people who have put a lot of thought into what they're doing they just border in fact venture quite heavily into being just really exploitative and like tabloid kind of oh, leering yeah. out of the window at dead people and their families is horrid yeah it it requires so many different factors all to work mm. together well it needs the right amount of editorializing it needs the right amount of production. It needs a thorough amount of research. And it needs people who can deliver it in an engaging way. And it seems yeah. that 99% of true crime podcasts have all but none of these features. Mm -hmm. That they are just people, as you say, exploitatively reading a Wikipedia page. Yeah, it's just so distanced from like what's actually happened. Because the thing that was interesting about Serial was that like everyone involved in this fairly obscure mystery was well not everyone but on the most for the most part they were quite keen on exploring it further so like the family of the guy who has done for it who may not have done it or whatever the family and friends of like the victim they were all they had like an impetus they had like a stake in the recording and obviously the production company were like in touch with them. So they weren't just making this from their bedroom. Yeah. Just like listing facts, but it's, mm, I don't know. I just feel like it's uh, the opposite of handling it. Well, it's like kind of glorifying crime. Yeah. And you know, beyond the podcasts themselves, the support for them and is, is just cultish. Um, yeah, it's and crazy. It, it goes against everything we spoke about in the last episode concerning honest feedback, concerning, mm. you know, the sort of unrivaled importance of criticism in the constructive sense rather than just the slagging off sense. Yeah. Um, to furthering something. 
And it's just, you know, every single true crime podcast is just lauded with praise. It's just what's in at the moment. Isn't yeah. It? And, and there's no need for it. You know, every five minutes, there's a post asking for recommendations. Yeah. It can I about- just, I've literally just clicked onto the group absentmindedly. And as if to illustrate our point perfectly, the last two posts in it, and I won't say the names obviously are, this person has put the cross face emoji feeling aggravated. I can't go to crime con. It's <laughs> a dreadful name for a convention. Crime con just sounds like one. it's for ex convicts. Not even ex. I think practicing. <laughs> Still, they're just getting some tips. Imagine, imagine like, what venue is putting that on? <laughs> They've got like a, the, a, a sort of prom one night and then crime con <laughs> the next. Guys, you don't want to hang around too late. <laughs> You're not going to like what comes next. They have to sweep quickly and then hide all the valuables in yeah. the safe. Um, the other post from 33 minutes ago says, given the popularity of crime-related podcasts, see, it's not just us, I have a question for listeners. You often hear of places, he <laughs> asserts, where murders took place being bulldozed. <laughs> <laughs> that's That's the opening statement. So that's just a given. He then <laughs> takes quite a leap to say... Would you live in a house that you knew people had been killed in? Do any of you live in a place where things like that have taken place? Thanks. That's that's such a, why, why, why mention, why mention this fictional idea of this very specific, these places being like bulldozed? Because his entire mm. question is predicated on places where crimes were committed not being bulldozed and in fact <laughs> still remaining. Because you think bulldoze means building. He could okay. very he could very easily have said, you hear a lot about crimes happening in houses. Would you live in one of them? <laughs> but instead or he said... He could have omitted the first sentence. And yeah. Would you live in a house where someone had been crimed into the it's, grave? I hate, I just hate that sort of Facebook inanity mm. and indeed insanity. In fact, one of the things from my list uh, from this week that's happened that I wanted to discuss with you is I want us to break down this one Facebook comment that I read (laughs) and just see if we can figure out what he means. Um, It was uh, a friend of mine posted a kind of before and after. He had a bit of a a weight loss, changed his look. Um, He'd done well. He was looking fantastic. Over what time period? Uh, Over a couple of months. Nice. Um, He had a really good turnaround. Um, in the first picture, he was wearing glasses. In the second, he mm-hmm. was not. Someone commented asking if he'd had LASIK eye surgery. And he said, yeah, I have. And the person replied, that's so cool. From the second picture, you couldn't even tell that you used to wear glasses. <laughs> wow. Now, what could that possibly mean? <laughs> From the second picture, you couldn't even tell that you used to wear glasses. You couldn't. So what he's saying is that there was no, there were no nose indentations. (laughs) He he wasn't wearing squint. (laughs) 
<laughs> he was, didn't have like glasses tucked into his shirt or something. Or he didn't have the frames but no lenses. <laughs> yeah. Or the string and no glasses attached it's to them. Just just, what are the visible signs of someone who a few months ago wore glasses but no longer He didn't does? have his hand up to adjust them and push them up the bridge of his nose only to have a quick moment of, ooh, like stepping off a pavement into nothingness. It's just such a like stupid thing to have said. And, and the guy responded yeah. saying, oh, thanks, man. Like, it, <laughs> no, I, I, I read that as confused. Yeah, I couldn't oh, even. Thanks. I, I couldn't even tell that that was meant to be a compliment. It sounds a bit like he's just advertising some minor psychic ability <laughs> to, because lots of people maintain that they have one one of these skills where they can like look at people and tell something yeah. about them. Well, I I um I was talking to a couple of people who stayed at the hotel a month mm. or so ago, and I hate. It's my least favorite thing when people say, I don't believe in that sort of stuff, but you go, you can't have a but there's no equivocation. There's no like middle ground where you don't believe it's true unless it happened to you. You can't, you can't make that people who are like, I don't believe in ghosts, poltergeists though. Yeah. (laughs) Everywhere. Um, but she was, she was like, Oh yeah, we, but our neighbor, they just knew things that they could never, ever know. And I said to them, oh, I said to them, lies. well, well it, we're living in an age where you've literally put everything about yourself on the internet. All you mm. need is a subscription to ancestry.com and access to Facebook. You have almost everything you could ever want to know. And, and they were like, no, 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 but this was different. And so I just looked, looked her up on Facebook and found this old photo. <laughs> and as she was leaving, I just said, oh, and you should, uh, if you're going out for dinner, you should wear that great uh, green dress that you wore to Debbie's 40th. And she was like, oh my God, are you are like, how could you possibly know? You have the gift. Well, because <laughs> here's a photo of you wearing it. And she's like, oh. And you go, so. But a ghost gave you it, right? Do you, <laughs> do you still believe? Did a vampire send you the link? Yeah, yeah, but this was different. They couldn't possibly have known that. <sighs> oh, right. No, that does make sense, actually. Uh, what one, I like one, is that she's really differentiated how they were different. As yeah, well. exactly. Well, my, one of my colleagues did exactly the same thing. She said, I don't believe in that sort of thing. And so I, like, I knew what was coming. When people start a sentence like that, you know that the yeah. but is coming. And the so, whole sentence is like a seesaw waiting yeah. inside of but. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I took the stance immediately that at every single point I was going to interrupt saying, and <laughs> rightly so, because it's nonsense. So she said, yeah. I don't believe in, in ghosts. And I went, that's good, because it's horse shit. <laughs> and she went, she went, yeah, yeah, but... And I was like, oh, come on. That was your chance. That was your chance to, like, get right. out of this story. Because yeah. you, you can't believe, surely, after I've interrupted you to say that, that your particular story is going to change my mind. What could you possibly have to say? What evidence could you have that I'm suddenly going to, you know, turn on a sixpence and say, you know what? There are ghosts out there in this world. <laughs> I don't believe in ghosts, but have you looked in that cupboard? Because <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure it's the Queen Mum. And she's angry about something. But she, never apologise, never explain. She persevered telling me about this mad woman who came up to her at the swimming pool and said mm-hmm. something about her arm. And she went, but that is, she went, she went, 
She went, but that is weird, isn't it? And I went, well, it is weird. (laughs) It's not not supernatural. (laughs) What was her point? Was was the old woman a ghost? Was the swimming pool full of ectoplasm? The the old woman had some sort of psychic gift that she knew about people's nans. Okay, she gave her some insight. Yeah, like, don't waste that necklace she gave you. You're like, well... How many people? Wow. How many people in the world? How many women in the world have inherited a necklace from an elderly relative? Yeah. I would guarantee too many. I'd most say. of them, yeah. But she, she again, like she kept going, and I kept saying that it's still absolutely not evidence in any way, shape, or form that this was the case, <laughs> and trotted out the same arguments. And I went, and even if it isn't any of those things, that there's still no reason to suddenly believe, well, that's it. There's a whole other plane of reality that I'm not yeah, party to. it's not to. really either or, is it? No. It's not like you get one glimpse of the other side and then it's instantly like zombies. <laughs> yeah. Those little pixies that pretend to be flowers and yeah. just suddenly believes them in Pan's Labyrinth. It's, I just, I can't understand that mentality. It, I do, you think would, it's, do you think it's sort of a, a desire bit like Pascal's wager, just like not wanting to miss out in case it is the, the truth. Yeah, it could be like hedging your bets on ghosts. And if you're going to hedge bets on anything, ghosts is a good one to go with. Yeah. Because you get to come back and float and everyone loves a bit of that. Yeah. Um, Kind of dealing with all your past woes, bit of haunting. <laughs> the media, I'm saying, sells ghosts as quite a strong... Yeah, issue. oh yeah, no, I, I wouldn't pass up the opportunity. For a bit, though. You don't no, want to be stuck yeah, forever. Exactly. Because they're like the basis of all evil in horror films, aren't they? Those ones that are here against their will. Yeah. Or here because they want something a bit too much. Or, as we've discussed previously, they're the janitor in a sheet. That's true, yeah. Because he, Usually he was getting story. passed over for janitorial promotions. <laughs> <laughs> because the lighthouse wasn't, wasn't doing it for him anymore. <laughs> They'd cut funding. <laughs> Austerity had extended even to. I'd love a really overtly political Scooby Doo. That'd be great. Just like Scooby Doo, but it's Ken Loach. (laughs) Wow, that'd be lovely. What? So they're going to be like actual hippies going around fighting the countercultural battle against like establishment icons. Like they'd have to, they'd have to try and find out why the councillor in Devon was being haunted by the ghost of like thatcher's reaganomic approach to policy <laughs> yeah could be quite dull without a careful presentation <laughs> no no no. but but scooby-doo's still just exactly the same he's still like mentally ill so he's just running through corridors <laughs> yeah crying and being inept he's just like at the homeless shelter eating everything <laughs> they have to keep like dragging <laughs> him out <laughs> of course how could we ever segue into a uh, conversation about scooby-doo after ghosts without mentioning everyone's favorite scooby-doo character spooky-doo <laughs> uncle is it scooby's, right, is uncle? scooby's uncle owner of do manor <laughs> do manor do manor is such a shame because it sounds like either it's a manner of shit either it's an imperative and a grammatical command for us to somehow do a manner mm-hmm. or it's like a barbershop group that's like a do-wop oh yeah it's like where they practice but at no point does it have the gravitas that you would expect of 
such a, a figure as Spooky do. I just, I, I cannot imagine ever being paid to write that. That would be the dream job, though. Imagine, like, how long into the process of writing Scooby Doo was it before someone suggested the name Spooky Doo? I think it like, came a spelling mistake. Because, <laughs> because the that uncle, the uncle character, I, I can't imagine that like, he was right at the bottom of this list. I can't imagine that he came yeah, into the canon early. So no. was it like, were they holding on to it? Were they holding on to it? Or, or was it that one you day he's going, were... fucking hell, you know what? I've missed out on all these years. <laughs> <laughs> I think, no, I think they came up with it even before Scooby-Doo. And I think the whole cartoon was 18 years of setup to the Spooky-Doo punchline to end all punchlines. And it just didn't quite hit. It didn't land for its target audience. They'd outgrown it. Well, the whole exploration of Scooby-Doo that led to me discovering Spooky-Doo on the Scooby-Doo Wikipedia page came from uh, someone posted a, a tweet Mm-hmm. And uh, and in it, they said, couldn't stop laughing when I remembered, and I was sure incorrectly, mm-hmm. and I was right, after remembering that Scooby-Doo's real name is <laughs> Scoobert Doobert. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a bad time to, to have a sip of beer. <laughs> I just... I, I was like, I'm sure... I'm sure it was just Scuba Do. I think it's pronounced Schubert. Schubert. He's actually German. He actually composed a lot of symphonies. And I, and I, you know, I didn't want to respond saying this and and make myself look like the idiot. So I I did check, and yeah, his name is Scubert Scooby Doo. Scooby not being his middle name, but of course an abbreviation of Scubert. Yeah. But <laughs> Dubert I mean, is just no. <laughs> to be fair, Scoobert is already fucking stupid. Well, it's yeah, nonsense. But like, they might as well have gone Dubert. <laughs> Why didn't they? I hate them for not doing that. They missed an opportunity. Oh, Scooby Dooby also would have been quite nice because he says that, doesn't he? Well, he says Scooby Dooby Doo. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, Scooby Doo. Frighteningly he? similar to Yabba Dabba Doo, also Hanna Barbera. <laughs> They were very Easy. one. They were very one note. It has to end in do, guys. It's got to be three words. And when I say words, don't go thinking dictionary. Go thinking kind of Doctor Seuss. Yeah, and a push. I'd quite like to rewatch some Scooby Doo. It also leads nicely back to Stuart Lee because oh. his set, his routine about Scooby Doo. Have you seen no. about Jungle Canyon rope bridges? No. He does a routine that's based on him being so out of touch now that he's a father with anything that kind of matters to adults because he's immersed in the world oh, of right. bringing a child up. Yeah. And so all that entails is watching Scooby-Doo and the Nightmare Queen or Escape yeah. from Frog Island or something every day, 8,000 days. <laughs> it just sounds like the most depressing existence. Also, how good is this? So the show was... It's not a spoiler. It's themed around. There's that famous painting. Uh, so famous that I've forgotten the artist. Good, it's, uh, good. It's famous in the sense that you know it when you saw it. It's well, this is, I'll tell you what, this is because this is, it's a pithy title. This is dynamite podcasting. <laughs> Listen, okay, it's Wanderer Above the Sea of Fog. There'll be a link right. on our Twitter by Casper David Friedrich. The show is themed around it. 
and around the idea of like because it, it for those who don't know or haven't seen it yet it depicts a man facing away in kind of nice clothes he's wearing like a long coat with a cane standing on this kind of rocky outcropping just overlooking mountains covered in fog and he's like center and it's often used as like the seminal picture for the idea of the like the lone hero the byronic hero in literature and so Stuart Lee's whole the theme of this show was about the individual in a kind of post-digital fragmented world like what does it mean to exist in communities and as an individual when you kind of create your own echo chambers of everyone being separated and yet with more together than ever before because of social media and so the whole thing was kind of lampooning selfie culture and uh, like the obsession with which is something we've talked about before not on air probably this thing of like whenever you go on holiday 80 percent of your photo is obscured by you being in front of the landmark which is obviously <laughs> the more interesting bit than seeing yeah. your fucking face and at the end of the show he does there's this amazing moment involving a selfie stick and then it cuts to black. That's the end of the show. And afterwards, so I was queuing up to buy a book and to get him to sign it afterwards at his little merchandise desk. He looked like a giant man for some reason. I don't think he is, but for some reason he looked like about nine foot tall and he's put on a lot of weight because of his old diverticulitis, I think he's got. Oh, right, yeah. So his weight fluctuates a lot and he's kind of uh, sweating from running around on stage for two hours. <clears throat> okay we're back we had some technical issues there that i may or may not leave this bit in of the show edit to address depending on how much we want to break that like fourth wall yeah but to recap i'm in a queue Stuart lee is at the end of the queue a man in front of me is also in the queue Stuart's sitting there he's signing things he's very friendly he's having a little chat he's clearly very tired he's been running around on stage for yeah. hours on end and he's he's giving it some small talk but it's it's quite small i don't think he's naturally <laughs> the most kind of uh outgoing guy anyway no definitely not and fair play because you've just done a whole show telling all these people that you hate them for the most yeah. part so you can see why you want to go home and it's good like not, i don't think many acts would come out and sign stuff afterwards to that extent so <laughs> no the guy in front of me however provided a, a solid argument as to why Stuart lee i've heard will no longer be coming out after performances <laughs> or indeed performing in the country again for the rest of his life Right. He uh, pulls out a phone. So that's, you know, it happens. You know where it's going. You know where it's going, but you know that this is a, this is a faux pas that the celebrity, the stand-up comedian of note is used to. Yeah. Um, what I didn't like was that he, he took the photo kind of, despite being in front of Stuart and having talked to him, just said a hello or something, he immediately turned away from him crouches like some kind of surfing based animation from the 90s oh, Jesus. and took the photo like from above kind of kneeling in front of the desk that Stuart was sitting at with without consent yeah he didn't ask just straight oh, into that fucking i hate he takes the photo with a forward-facing flash the likes of which i've not seen <laughs> but was just uh bright enough to illuminate the I imagine look of disdain on Stuart Lee's face had I not been blinded too much to check. He turns afterwards and apologises. He's like, sorry for that. I, I kind of had to. And she was like, no, it's fine. And he's like, there's a pause. He's heard that's fine and he's going to run with it. 
is what I oh, no, now know. No, no, because no, out of no. his back pocket, he's got another phone oh, in a pink phone case. And he For steps back else. from the desk. Yeah, he steps back from oh. the desk. And from the back of the queue, here combining the cardinal sin of unwanted selfies with queue jumping he pulls he calls for sharon or something to come and join him and this woman rocks up for another of the same selfie and he did it twice more he did it three times in total for three people including himself this man had been like hoarding phones like Gollum and treasure i know that's smaug isn't it Gollum and the ring imagine there were three rings and one <laughs> Gollum. this man was Gollum. The rings were the phones. Stuart was maybe, who really hates Gollum? Sam? Yeah, go for yeah. it. <laughs> Stuart was the Samwise being selfied to fuck. And everyone was just sort of, like no one was angry, obviously, because we're kind of British and a Canterbury theatre crowd is not going to start saying anything other than, oh dear. <laughs> but people were just kind of bemused by it because it seemed almost like a comment on the show because it was so deeply relevant and yet so entirely like wrong-headed and in the wrong time to I do cannot this, imagine that it can't not have been his own like artistic response to do three selfies with a man who just spent two hours explaining why they're bullshit it was like that's a- just unconscionable like mm. i cannot it's one of those things where i can't even in any way empathize with the mindset i don't know how you get to the stage where you think that that's acceptable in any instance. Yeah. But then that you're so strong-headed about it that just having had someone you idolise tell you for two hours that it's, <laughs> that it's unacceptable bullshit, that you decide to do it anyway in front of him. Yeah. And the strongest image of the show is this selfie thing he does at the end. And it's really funny and like lasting. And to go straight from that, for the thought process to be... Cool, yeah, selfie. I should do one of those. You know what I need to do? It's just (laughs) unbelievable. He also, I forgot this as well, he didn't buy anything because the queue was forged that you were then going to get him to sign. That's the setup. It's a standard, like, setup. And the guy guy was very efficiently serving, like, people further back in the queue than had reached the desk to kind of prepare. It wasn't his first time selling merch, this guy. And he got to the guy in front of me. I was kind of behind a big sign that said what was for sale. So I hadn't quite got into the the area where I was going to be served. But the guy in front of me had. And he just waved him away. He was like, no, I just want to have a chat with him. If that's all right. Didn't said maybe three words to him. Gave like a thank you. Maybe like an awkward chuckle as well. And that was it. It oh, was really, a tragedy. This is what we mean when we say everyone else is awful. Yeah. Quite I can't. Awful. There's just something so unbearably... Well, both arrogant and just stupid mm. about that. Like, how but do you just not... go through life thinking that's fine? How do you reconcile those twin experiences of being told for two hours that this is nonsense and then doing it? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's just unbelievable. It's like I, I told you um, when I came down last about a. A similar experience in terms of the stupidity of uh, mm-hmm. of other people about my aunt's garage. Um, how she was having it rebuilt, uh-huh. and it was going to be a little bit taller than it was originally. And uh, 
we showed the plans to the neighbours and they had a look. They had no complaints, no objections, said that's fine, go ahead. So they erected the frame of the structure. All of a sudden, knock, knock, knock on the door. It's one of the neighbours. What could he possibly want? It turns out what he wants is to tell us that he's reported them to city planning saying that he objects to the garage and his reason for this his reason for this was that the garage blocked his view of the tree in my aunt's garden <laughs> that is such a beautiful misunderstanding of having an opinion about anything having of your own rights <laughs> i've so never amazing. ever ever been as angry at a single human being as I have at this absolute bastard. Because it's really disruptive, isn't it? It's not like he said that and they're like, well, obviously you're a fucking idiot. Build it. It's like, if I understand correctly, that hinders the process. Well, you have to to then go through... Yeah, um, you have to have someone round to view it. You have to have, like, all various different kinds of meticulous blueprints drawn up, which you otherwise don't need. Hmm. It's just and such what are they an gonna say? They're process. gonna at some point like the council are gonna send that man a letter being like, You're you're right, you, it does yeah. <laughs> get over it, you stupid waste you, of skin. You have exactly no right to look at this tree <laughs> you don't own. It's not like she was building the shard in the back garden uh, to cover I'm, it. I'm told that apparently uh, uh, at the time I didn't know this, but my dad told him that he'd bought the wrong house then. <laughs> <laughs> If he wanted to look at this tree. That's correct. <laughs> just, that is so I, funny. But I, again, it, the, the point of it that I just cannot even approach understanding or empathising with his position. Like yeah, sometimes, it's very difficult. Sometimes, even in things like political arguments, I can see where dissenting voices mm-hmm. are coming from, even if I don't agree. You can with understand them. like the lineage of why people yeah. end up that way. But wrong. But I, I can't think of anything beyond some sort of Norman Bates esque <laughs> childhood <laughs> that could lead to someone being such an odious prick. Yeah, quite as to as to assume that they had the right to look at someone else's tree. We should take a big photo of the tree and mail it to <laughs> with some stickers for the podcast. <laughs> That's just, a shame. Just get a big, Your view of the tree. That's get, a shame. Get, get a big billboard erected outside of his house. <laughs> just a picture <laughs> of the tree on it. It's, That's it's a shame. unbelievable. Um, I've got a quick bit of news related to my cats, right? Go so on. It's well known that they both have excellently chosen names. Good segue, by the way. I just thought... I'd well, no, it does. there is a thematic connection, okay. which is right. sort of people being wrong people that we now resent for their wrongness that is a real core motif it's basically every episode i've noticed yeah um crayon and cobweb they're called they're brothers one of them's kind of ginger and white affair the other one's tabby and together crayon and cobweb is what they're known as crayon after the fact that i just used to really like well i still do i like the word crayon a lot it's a nice word and cobweb after i think it was around the time we were doing that uh, Midsummer Night's Dream nonsense. Oh yeah, Cobweb being one of the little fairy guys in in that play, and so you know I've never met any other cats 
similarly named. No. Nope. And whenever people find out their names, normally people think I'm a bit of a, an idiot or start talking to me like I'm simple <laughs> because it's like a four-year-old came up with the names. Yeah, like it's very them. it's very Lenny. Yeah, if I guess. If you, if you don't know you. I guess, yeah, that's fair, that's fair. But who does know me is, or at least fleetingly, the people one time when we went on holiday, we had to put them in a cat hotel and what the people <laughs> yeah these people had to be shoved in a cat hotel because they've been living in our basement for too long and frankly i won't stand another day of it we couldn't trust them while we were away basically no. not to gnaw at the furniture yeah the people that is yeah but so the cats were boxed up <laughs> sent off to the warehouse no they weren't they were very lovingly and carefully driven although they did complain a lot of the way to this really like obnoxiously beautiful privileged like countryside sprawling <laughs> cat manor <laughs> with like they all get individual views of the garden is it and that's fucking stupid. they have, they have multiple rooms between the cats <laughs> oh, come on so crown and cobweb were in like a three-room suite is this next door to do manor <laughs> that's it yeah it's got so you've got a view of the the do manor gardens um the dmg <laughs> they had specially brought in alpaca to live in the field because apparently the woman had read an article that cats love watching alpaca which i simply <laughs> i didn't query at the time but we'll take up with her should i pause who did this research I, I think it was her and i think by magazine she meant my own warped mind it was her dream she diary <laughs> and so they had like it, it was ridiculous this place it was so they had their names on the door in like a heart on the on their like hotel door. It was preposterous. But they were very nice. They were clearly like mad about cats, as you would have to be, or mad about hospitality, but not very good at it to deal with people. So this was quite a few years ago. And now my friend Jacob, his family have now got two little kittens, Lola and Rosie, and it came time for them as it will always come time in someone's life to have a trip away that meant the cats had to fuck off somewhere. Right. So we recommended this cat hotel. They sent them off there. And I don't know how it happened, and I haven't really quizzed them about it because it just makes me angry, the whole concept. But for some reason, it came up that they... They must have been like, "We, how did you hear about us? They were like, some friends of ours had used your services before. I made it sound like a cat brothel now. But <laughs> <laughs> had... <laughs> taken of your hospitality to you know house crayon and cobweb and they were like crayon and cobweb that's so funny because we just got two kittens and we've called them we've we've got one already crumpet and we thought what are some good names beginning with c crumpet crayon and cobweb crumpet crayon and cobweb so these people at the cat hotel who we paid to house these cats have stolen what I'm going to call my intellectual property. <laughs> and I, like, I know there's no legal recourse. I know you can't, unless I were to start some kind of brand that you're, that you're based sort of on their names. Impotent in the, in the face of the law. But like, I, I would understand taking one name because as we've established, they're great names. They're good cat yeah. names. But to take two is to rip from my heart <laughs> something very fundamental <laughs> to like, that's just... It's like they want to become me, these people. That is and I'm so... worried that next time I go there, they're going to start taking more things out of my life. Be like, oh, so you 
seeing anyone at the moment. What are some of your friends called? They'll be like, I've got a friend called Declan. We've got a podcast <laughs> called This Is A Shame at This Is A Shamecast. It's just what kind of hateful idiot. Copying is something that always used to really fuck me off. From yeah, well, and age. how, you know, how intellectually impotent do you need to be mm. in order to not only be incapable of coming up with three names for animals, which you can call anything. <laughs> like you can't, <laughs> you can't have call, to begin with C. You can't call a child crayon. Well, you well, shouldn't anyway. <laughs> you can if you're in like an ancient Greek play. Yeah. Oh. Literature. Uh, yeah. Um, but at the same time then to consciously take those names from look, someone that you've met, yeah. from 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 indeed cats that you've met, yeah, that you've housed for a two week period and pretended to cherish all the while, just trying to steal their identities. It's horrible. It's fraud. And what I imagine is that if I went again, they would try and deny that they'd stolen these names. They were just like, "Oh my god, yeah, crazy coincidence. We are cats are called that." I'd be like, "I know they're called that. You stole them." from us and i wouldn't have minded but they've got like our contact details like everyone's phone number email address they give you like updates on how the cats are doing they they could have emailed to us could have been like guys this is i know this is not what you expected from us a prestigious cat hotel featuring alpaca for the fucking prissy felines to stare at all do you mind if we borrow for you know 12 year period let's say these names and i would have leased them but to just outright steal, Licensed it just angers me to the core. Yeah. That is, that's so, it's just, you know, I feel your pain. I'm glad because uh, not many people have identified with my rant <laughs> <laughs> about the cat name theft. No, it just, it, it just is like, I mean, on the face of it, it doesn't feel like the Don't most go saying it appears trivial. heinous <laughs> crime ever committed. But I can understand that. It's you feel cheated. I do. Yeah. And uncredited. Which is worse in a way. <laughs> um Yeah, no, I I can't You wouldn't do that to someone's kids, would you? Like if you babysit no, someone's like, kids. There's a huge people get really uptight about kids' names. Because I, I, I tell you what, I tell you why I feel so strongly for you in this case, and it's because I have a very similar completely trivial hatred in the same sense in that nothing makes me angrier than someone ordering the same thing as me in a restaurant. Uh, what, someone I, at your table or yeah, just anyone? No, at my table. If they're at another table, I don't mind. But if I say, oh, I'm going to have X meal, I'm going to have the, the carbonara. Mm -hmm. If someone then goes, oh, yeah, no, that sounds good. I might have that. I hate it. I'm like we've come out. <laughs> I think I do come out a lot though. <laughs> we've come out so that you know to a place where we can each have something different. Where for one night of the week we're not all having the exact same it's identical a plate of culinary agency. Yeah, and carving your own gastronomic. And to look at an entire list of dishes and be so incapable of picking something that you like that you just <laughs> wait for me to mention something I want and then take it. Is is just unconscionable. It's again. a shame, isn't it? Have you ever tried fucking with people who do that serially by ordering intentionally the worst thing on yeah. the menu first? I I, I, I tried once peach castle. and it 
and it failed. And uh, but thankfully, I when the when the waitress came along, I ditched my Change. pride and just said, "Yeah, yeah I'm having the mixed grill. <laughs> None of this fucking avocado <laughs> bullshit." You should have like stuck with the order and then gone and whispered it to the manager. Yeah, so that you'll, you never <laughs> had to like come clean. Don't, don't give me that nonsense. <laughs> it's part of a bigger game. <laughs> <laughs> One time in sixth form, I think I've told you this story before. And it's completely unrelated. I, I will now admit that I'm no longer adhering to the theme because all I'm spiraling off here is just restaurant stories. Okay. <laughs> but we went out for like a form Christmas meal or something. Right. Yeah. It was a very loose premise because the guy, Mr. Carr, he was called, who was like our form tutor, didn't put a lot of thought into kind of the admin side of managing a form of people. He was great. And that's, yeah. that's why we got on actually. Yes. Yeah. Because he was always being told, like, oh, Isaac hasn't done any work again. And he just didn't care very much about it. So we got... Yeah, that's the stance to take. Exactly. And so he took us out uh, to Frankie and Benny's in somewhere in the Seven Oaks area. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, it wasn't his best call. I don't think he knew what it was. He was the kind of man who'd probably only ever dined in palaces before then. Right, oh, okay. And... Um, so we went along and it's the way these forms worked where it was like a group of upper six and a group of lower six to make about 12 people in total. Okay. And I don't think everyone could come. So it's probably about two, two sides of like five people at a table right. on the classic Frankie and Benny's bench setup. Of course. And it had been uh, a couple of days before, I think, the birthday of one of the people in our form. And that was usually an excuse to kind of lightly bully them uh I don't oh know. yeah, no. He school would... birthdays are a negative experience. Oh yeah, very much so. Because it it's that one thing that you never want at school, which is to be singled out. Mm. It's all and about Mr. Carr was big yeah. on singling people out. He used to make people like sit on the tables, as in put their chair on the table and then sit on the chair if they couldn't answer a question, and then just keep asking it as a kind of psychological abuse. Oh, fantastic! Good I can see where you like the guy. <laughs> yeah. I think he was kind of Guantanamo trained. Um, <laughs> um, Specialist teaching techniques. But what he did was he, uh, he quite gleefully, he got this smile on his face as he w- went to call over one of the wait staff, kind of vaguely surreptitiously, but also in this like pantomime style of everyone being able to see what was going on. And he informed them that it was, I think it was James is the guy. I think it was his birthday informed that it was his birthday and that he yeah like because in case you don't know frankie and benny's in the true american style of like tgi fridays and stuff they make a fucking hullabaloo about birthdays (laughs) it involves like the restaurant lights being lowered and like music blaring and every one of the waiters and waitresses or servers as i believe we now say approaching and clapping and singing and stuff they do a sort of west side story clicking as they it's, walk up yeah, to you it's a lot faster and more frantic and less well composed actually it's oh yeah upsetting. no 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 it's oh, very I'm... like birthday, and it of course they have to sing a different <laughs> song to happy birthday because they can't yeah. get rights for it so it's always very upsetting but what happened was um i intercepted this waitress server and informed her that he was just you know he'd taken us out it was our granddad right all eight or nine of us, I think, of quite clearly different ages and ethnicities. And that he, you know, he didn't want to make a scene. He didn't want to be embarrassing, but it was actually his 80th birthday. The man was about 50. And um, 
if and I was like he he loves birthdays like anything you can do just to make it that that bit special he hasn't got long left as far as we know and this has always been a very special place for him and she was like we've only been open eight months <laughs> like, yeah the whole eight months has been very special he comes here every week you might know I'm, I'm sure you haven't seen him but he's you know he's a surreptitious gentleman he sits in the corner and we'd like to just do something special for him and she was like okay I'll see what I can do. And so the whole meal now went past. And because it was like a Christmas set menu, like it was quite a laborious process, this meal. There were several courses. Even at Frankie and Benny's, they put some effort in at this stage. Yeah. So they were like courses and crackers and games and songs. Not so much the last two. But it went on (laughs) for a while. And all the while, because in his mind, if we cut now to Mr. Carr's perspective, he had set up this guy, James, to be embarrassed in front of the whole restaurant he was trying to ensure that this was going to happen at some point soon and so maybe four or five times as well as all the times that servers had to come and actually deliver plates or take stuff away he would remind them that you're you're going to do he had an amazing deep voice he was like you're going to do something for his birthday aren't you (laughs) never saying more than the pronoun (laughs) of him and and so to the waiters he just became this bizarre figure who was demanding his own birthday <laughs> praise and it culminated in the most incredible display of like indoor sparklers and like literally the whole house lights dimmed in a full restaurant and they revealed like the kitchen door burst open like it was going to be the beginning of a musical or something and out came like the chefs in inverted commas <laughs> the microwave workers all the wait staff came to crowd around the table and it's still at this point Mr. Carr is like grinning because he thinks that it's yeah. James who's about to be subject to this stripper ground torment. inside a huge cake. Yeah. <laughs> and one of them who will assume was like the manager yeah. had this big flashlight and stood behind him, still seated, <laughs> like arms above, like they're about to plunge Excalibur into his skull and just downward lit his face so he looked like a kind of evil fox (laughs) just (laughs) grinning but as he slowly realized that he was the subject of this forthcoming song which went on for three verses i was crying the whole time as his face just turned (laughs) gradually more sullen and stony acceptance fell over it because it was like they had been true to their word like they'd gone all out and i don't think they're I don't think they cared enough to kind of realize that we'd yeah. tricked them into putting this whole celebration into the hands of someone who hated every second. He was, he was essentially the architect of his own demise. Constantly. Yeah, it was quite beautiful. It was like, like a, a Dante that's, punishment. That's like a sort of Shakespeare play. A lovely it was, yeah. dramatic irony. It was a lovely moment. And Mr. Carr, if you're listening, let's go against TJ Fridays. And have <laughs> For your birthday. 140th birthday <laughs> or whatever it would be. It's just such a great moment to see the duplicity realized as they all it's almost like they'd come out and then diverted course at the last second to head right behind him and i don't know why i don't know if it's their normal policy to have a high-powered bulb above someone's head (laughs) when it's their birthday as they hand out a sad little bit of cake with a candle but it doesn't add a lot that isn't terrifying to the celebration as you might imagine you've reminded me with frankie and benny's that uh at the hotel, they have this sort of dreadful music playing mm-hmm. all the time. And uh, I didn't quite know where from for the first few weeks that I worked there. And then I, it was like, it's playing 
through the sound system from an iPod that's like behind the desk and behind some keys and whatnot. And one night I, I went over and I picked it up to find out where in the name of God they had managed to curate such a <laughs> dreadful selection of boring songs. <laughs> so old <laughs> and so unmemorable. That is there indeed, a Spotify playlist the first for it, time. No, it was an album that they downloaded from iTunes okay. of songs from Frankie and Benny's. <laughs> no. Yeah. Wow. But worse that's than that, album. it was like album number one of oh, the Frankie true. and Benny's. And you're like, what? Collection. That's, such, that's the loosest theme. <laughs> for yeah, because their theme songs. is just America. Themes that were once played in Frankie and Benny. It's so... It's, Maybe... I've, I've made a point of changing all of their music. Like I just, I just put on like the smooth jazz radio and just leave it on that because I refuse to listen to some absolute no one hack from 1950s pretend to be Frank Sinatra for four mm. hours on a loop. <laughs> it's, I forgot to mention at the top of the show as well. So we had an update about the man from 208, which oh, we, yeah. we, depending on its length, might want to save for Sunday's release. No, well, it's 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 quite <clears throat> short. Essentially, um, the, the main interesting fact mm-hmm. is that he does actually have a dad. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and his dad has since been to the hotel about half a dozen times <laughs> just at the desk apologising. Oh, really? <laughs> just comes and in. does he come across as the top man in Essex? No. Far, far oh, from it. No offense to the man. He's in the <laughs> but top far ten. From it. But he, yeah, he comes at random times whenever being the top man in Essex will allow him uh-huh. to just come and apologize and offer to, you know, pay retribution in some way. Like he thinks we're like the mafia. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got to come and make everything all right or we'll That's shut really down his, his restaurant. That would pay into the idea that he considers himself to be the top man in Essex. And yeah. He's like, his his own presence just by appearing and like paying his respects, he can smooth the whole thing over. Yeah, no, it's 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 not. He though is not the saddest bit of news from the uh, from the hotel this week. Uh-huh. Something that I've been saving for you. Um, it's tragic. Okay, this is the shame of all shames. Shame of the week. To uh, to yeah, shame of the week. <laughs> To end the show. Uh-huh. Um, I found a, a card, a business card of sorts on the desk mm-hmm. from someone who had recently performed at an event at the hotel and whom okay. I believe had been ordered to to come back to, uh, to play again. Uh-huh. Um, I have since made swift work of ensuring this is never the case. <laughs> they describe themselves as the world's number one mm-hmm. Beyonce tribute act. Okay, that's a very strong claim. Their social media is the most cumbersome phrase <laughs> on Instagram and indeed on Facebook. To get to them, you have to type in, don't, don't do it yet, because okay. there's a detail that I'm saving. Okay. Um, Beyonce irreplaceable trib. <laughs> Right. Yeah. is that's horrible. horrible the the shortening of tribute to trib 
is something no one ever asked for. No, that's very upsetting. It's definitely um, some kind of urban dictionary sexual term as well. I've looked on her Facebook page. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, she doesn't always sing. Instead oh. of a karaoke version, she just plays the actual song. <laughs> Well, I guess that her. is a, a tribute in its own. <laughs> and sometimes prances about in front of it. Um, I mean, it's a it's a graceful moment when she doesn't open her mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm no huge Beyonce fan. But this woman does oh, highlight quite how talented Beyonce is. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Which again is part of the tribute. Uh, this page, world's number one Beyonce tribute act... Um, 440 likes. Okay. I would expect more for the world's number one. Well, I'm wondering if her claim is that there's no Beyonce tribute act with a greater number. Uh, And if so... likes. Yeah. And if so, that's simply simply a false claim that you're not allowed to have on your card. But I think that the root cause of all of this, the main reason for her lack of success outside of her own mind, is that she is 100% white. <laughs> I thought, see, I thought that might be, be coming on the horizon. She's even I pushed it off extremely white. Not. But worse than that, to perform, gets oh, no. a heavy fake tan. As if me? that isn't just blacking up. She doesn't, what? She gets a, yeah, a, a no. full body fake tan to perform. That's it's, it's 2017. It's a fucking hate That's crime. <laughs> it's, That's so bad. It's so bad. How? I, okay, I need to look her up. But she was a finalist, as in got through to the live shows on the X Factor in 2011 as part of an Essex girl duo called Two Shoes, who are just as insufferable as you might imagine. <laughs> Oh my god! I'm looking her up now. So she's, we will um, we will share a link. I will yeah, share I a photo of this to. business card as well. Is the business card as much of a shame as I imagine it's going oh, to be? Oh, you're going to have one of those moments where you just sigh and then turn off all electronic devices and sit in the dark for a while. <laughs> I've never seen anyone looking at her now that reminds me less of Beyonce. She is the exact unless she's going for that kind of yeah that philosophical idea of like the closest thing to something is its mirror like its inverse yeah unless that's her thesis and nothing on the website Look, leads me to believe it is <laughs> she doesn't strike me as a philosopher um wow she's also and you know we don't mention this often in a disparaging sense but as a tribute act she is inordinately fatter than Beyonce. <laughs> she doesn't have the same build. No, not in any sense. there's nothing wrong sense. with that, but then you wouldn't go around, I wouldn't, for example, go around being like a, I don't know, a James Gandolfini impersonator. <laughs> not least of all because he's dead. Yeah. And I feel it would be disrespectful. But, but, it's, um, it's, but it's further than that. You wouldn't go around being a, a Nelson Mandela <laughs> tribute No, I've act. never actually considered it as a career path with any viability. Also, as listeners will see if they do go to her Facebook page, she only has the one outfit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which yeah is, I've noticed that already. Yeah. Which is not the best outfit. And of her 440-odd followers, um, the greatest number of likes that any individual post has ever had is six. <laughs> Oh, 
That's which, the hallmark of the greatest. It doesn't scream world's number one. No. But I sat here um, and I and like I, because we've got a new manager in, uh-huh. who's oh, yeah, of who's who's great, um, really really great guy, and we sat for about an hour just watching these videos, and trying to understand where exactly the hotel had decided to find a place for this woman <laughs> in their entertainment roster. Oh, Though uh, another another one that I've been saving for a similar. <clears throat> for a similar moment, um, keeping the track record of poor imitators <laughs> coming mm-hmm. to the hotel. Um, they have these dreadful, uh, we've mentioned similar things, um, like themed dinner nights. Oh, yeah. Um, and their, to one. their theme seems to be late 20th century British sitcoms. Oh, shit theme. So they had they had an only fours and horses one, and that mm. was about the week before I arrived. Two weeks ago, they had a Forty Towers themed one. Oh, good. Now I wasn't in the event, so I can't speak as to its quality, or mm. indeed what form it actually takes. I, I don't know if these people serve you if they're just doing a show while you eat dinner. Which sounds Hopefully like the both. worst thing I could think <laughs> Hopefully of. Hopefully both just to maximise the hate. <laughs> but what I can tell you is that I did see the trio, the mm-hmm. uh, the Basil, the Sybil, and the Manuel, as they came through reception to get mm-hmm. changed. And I think all we need to know is that their Manuel is simply an Indian man. Oh, wow. That's interesting. What I they've don't gone... know, what I don't know is if they've changed, if this is like headcanon and in oh, their so version, Manuel he's into... an Indian and they've changed all of the myriad Spanish jokes to into... now even somehow <laughs> even, less tasteful, even, even more racist, imperial racist Indian. British Raj references are plenty. Good. Or if... Perhaps they equally just don't as badly, call to it. They, they've just got an Indian man playing a Spanish guy, which I suppose isn't, I mean, that bad, given that Andrew Sachs wasn't wasn't Spanish Not either. Even slightly. But he was, well, I don't know, was he, is he, yeah, I mean, he was pretty much the same race. Yeah. Close. It's hard well. to say. I don't know quite yeah. where he was aiming his performance in Spain. <laughs> I mean, it's um, a baffling. Either way, it's not accurate to the show, <laughs> let yeah, alone I feel to like that's Spanish really the culture. Bare minimum that you want with a... if you're signing up to a Forty Towers themed dinner. Yeah. Well, there you go. I think we've covered quite a lot of topics today. Yeah. We, In... Well, that's what we we promised. Oh that's yeah. What we've I'm not lamenting it. I'm oh, I see. Pri- I'm actually praising us <laughs> for sticking to our guns. <laughs> Someone So should. that the listener at home can be like, God, they really did do what they set out to do. What a success. <laughs> I don't know how long this will have run, about 80 minutes or something. So that's yeah. not bad. We'll probably have a shorter episode on Sunday. I think the idea should maybe be like a longer and a shorter one or yeah. two mid ones. So yeah, if this I is a longer so. one, we'll have a shorter one next week. I've still got a load of stuff. I've got a big update. Uh, thanks oh, yeah. to Tim Kelly, which I haven't got round to mentioning on this show, but we'll, 
lead with on the next. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. So yeah, there's a lot to look forward to. In the meantime, however, it would be great, as we've said, if you could chuck us an iTunes review. Uh, that would mean a lot to us. It's very helpful. And Declan and I will appreciate it. Yes. Follow us on Twitter if you're so inclined. It's at That's a Shamecast. Or you can follow Declan at... Cynical Declan. And Isaac at... Isaac BD. Thank you very much. You can email any questions you have, uh, be they as vague and profound as listener X's, or in fact as declarative and not <laughs> question-like as John Delane's input. Uh, much appreciated that they both were. To that's a shamecast at gmail.com. And other than that, I think we'll see you. Yeah, we'll see you on Sunday. Yeah, it's see exciting. you on Sunday. Look forward to it. Have a good one. Bye, guys. See you later. Simple bare necessities Forget about your worries and your strife I mean the bare necessities Oh, Mother Nature's recipes That bring the bare necessities of life For me, the bare necessities of life will come to you. The necessities of life will come to you. The necessities.